from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Your father famously raised you as part of a way of trying to prove that genius was made and not born. Now that you've been a coach for so many years, do you think he was right about that? I think he's definitely right about that, that it's it's primarily all about the hard work that's being put in hmm. and uh, providing uh, positive uh, circumstances for the children. It's uh, obviously it's a lot of sacrifice. It requires a lot of patience and endurance and perseverance. I'm Sarah Fenske. For nine years, Susan Polgar has led Webster University's chess team. And for that entire time, the team has been a force. Polgar and her husband, assistant coach Paul Trong, led Webster to seven consecutive wins in the Pan American Intercollegiate Chess Championships, along with an eighth first place finish for good measure. Webster also won five straight Final Four National Chess Championships during Polgar's time at the helm. That success came as no surprise to anyone who knows Susan Polgar. She has gone from being a chess prodigy to a chess grandmaster, shattering more than one glass ceiling along the way. She plans to retire from Webster University on May 31st, and she joins us today. So, Susan Polgar, welcome. Hi, it's a pleasure to join you. How are you? So, Susan, you had an incredible run coaching chess at Webster. What made you decide to call it quits? Well, unfortunately, I had a, an accident uh, the fall of last year. I fly, uh, fell down a flight of stairs, Ooh. and uh, I wasn't quite the same since, and uh, you know, if I do something, I like to do it 110%. And I felt, uh, since I'm unable to give my all to the university and the students, it's best to look for uh, another coach who could uh, continue the success and uh, give his all to the students. And that's exactly what I did. I uh, reached out to a former student who has been captain of the team for four years, and uh, he is a wonderful person, coach, and grandmaster, so I'm very confident that the team will be continuing in good, in good hands, and uh, if, if I wouldn't have found him or he wouldn't have agreed, I, I would have had maybe second thoughts, but... This way, I, I feel good about it. So you were not ready to abandon this team. You wanted to make sure you had the perfect successor in place. Exactly. Do you think there'll be much of a transition um, from you moving on to having uh, your successor take over? Well, uh, uh, Grandmaster Lim Lay has been uh, with the program for four years himself, so he knows it uh, very well inside out from both perspectives as a student. And uh, ever since he has graduated uh, a couple of years ago, he has been uh, continued to being involved with the program. So I think in the last year especially, he has been looking at it from the eyes of a potential future coach. And uh, when I reached out to him uh, earlier this year, uh, he was very surprised, of course. He had no idea that uh, I'm considering to retire. And uh, luckily, he accepted. And uh, therefore, the fact that he's been so involved with the program for so many years, I'm very hopeful that it will be a very smooth transition. And moreover, even though I'm retiring from the day-to-day -day activities, 
I'll continue to be a director in emeritus as well as in an advisory capacity. So he'll be just a Zoom call away and I'll be continuing to advise him and uh, help the program. And the Institute for Chess Excellence, that's going to continue to bear your name. That's the Susan Polger Institute for Chess Excellence, also called SPICE. That does not change. That's correct. It, indeed, it, it remains at Webster University. And I'm looking forward to a lot more success, both competitively as well as in the outreach areas, which we've been very active over the past nine years And Webster. We did countless uh, camps in the summers as well as fall and uh, spring Saturday classes for the community members. We brought a lot of big events to to town, to Webster, to the university. So I'm, I'm uh, very optimistic that a lot of it will continue, especially now that uh, hopefully things will uh, open up a little bit uh, with COVID. Uh, situation improving a little and even though this year we're not yet having an in-person camp but moving forward I'm, I'm very hopeful that everything will come back as normal and uh, mm. we can continue making Webster and Webster Groves proud. So Webster uh, during your tenure has been called the most successful college chess program ever and you obviously had huge success as a player but that doesn't always translate to being a good coach. What did you do as a coach uh, that others hadn't done before? I think the fact that uh, I uh, had a very holistic approach and uh, I treated uh, all the students uh, as family hmm. and uh, tried to understand them where they are coming from and uh, didn't have a one-size-fit-all method, but uh, tried to customize the training uh, to each and every student because they all come from all parts of the world from Hungary through Germany to uh, Armenia or Russia or Vietnam all different places in the world and obviously they come with very different backgrounds in in many ways culturally and even in their chess education mm -hmm. and uh, they have different needs on what they need to improve on or what they need help with and I was trying to find that individual tone with each and every student and uh, I think that's that's one of the key reasons to to our success all these years. So in addition to being a coach, you're also a mom. One of your sons just graduated from Webster. The other is a student there currently. Uh, do you feel like there's some relationship between the skills you develop as a mother and the skills that make you a great coach? <laughs> well, I, I hope so. I, I obviously try to uh, use similar tools and uh, even with my own sons, uh, even though they are uh, you know, uh, with, the, with the same genes kind of, but yet mm -hmm. they are very different individuals. And I, I have to understand that I just because uh, I can uh, use one approach with the, my elder son, it doesn't necessarily mean I can use the same with the younger, but mm. I always try to understand them and be fair with them and uh, have their best interest at heart. So that leads me to, to something I find myself wondering about. Your father famously raised you as part of a way of trying to prove that genius was made and not born. Now that you've been a coach for so many years, do you think he was right about that? I think he's definitely right about that, that it's, it's primarily all about the hard work that's being put in hmm. and uh, providing 
positive uh, circumstances for the children. It's uh, obviously it's a lot of sacrifice. It requires a lot of patience and endurance and perseverance, both from the parents or coaches' side as well as from the child or student. And and that's where unfortunately, of course, most uh, people don't reach their their optimal potential. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's really a very like for my father, for example, it was a very long term. Uh, project right when even before I was born and uh, when I was a young child it's a long story it's 10 15 20 years until you would see the results or not Mm -hmm. and uh, a lot of in a lot of cases either the parents or the children give up for just giving up because they don't believe in it anymore or, or simply the circumstances don't allow it. And, uh, you know, in many cases, life happens. You know, everybody has various responsibilities and uh, have to work. And so it, it just depends really on the circumstances of the family a lot. Hmm. But so you think somebody of, of normal intelligence um, with the right amount of perseverance and, and the right amount of, of coaching and, and that happening soon enough, they could become as good of a chess player as you are? It just seems unbelievable to me. I definitely believe that, and it's definitely not limited to chess, but it's pretty much in practically any field. Hmm. Uh, Of course, in some sports where physical uh, 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 abilities are are limited, let's say, you know, you can't teach height, for example. (laughs) Sure. like that. (laughs) I'm never going to be an NBA player, right? Exactly. (laughs) If if your genes, you know, make you a 5'4", uh, height, you know, like myself, I'm not going to be a great basketball player. But, but I mean, in in uh, intellectual activities or or other fields where where that's not a major factor, I I do believe that indeed anybody is capable of anything. Hmm. We're talking today to Susan Polger. She is uh, retiring on May 31st um, from her role as chess coach at Webster University, where she just had extraordinary success. Susan, you mentioned that circumstances can play a role in even somebody who has the right coaching, the right intelligence. They may choose to drop by the wayside. And you ran into so many barriers in your playing days. Just reading up on you, it was shocking reading about all the politics that went into people trying to stop you and trying to stop you from being able to play as a woman and the fact you were coming from the Soviet bloc and the Soviets were not supportive of a Hungarian getting these opportunities. Um, Just so many different things. You wrote on your Instagram recently, quote, I am me and I live my life by my ethics and principles, not what others, especially so many male chess politicians want. Too bad if they do not approve it. I had to deal with their constant harassment, criticism, verbal abuse and insults, physical intimidation, unwanted sexual advances, and all the other nonsense for many decades. Reading about some of those things on that list of what you put up with, has chess had a Me Too moment? Does it need to have a Me Too moment? Well, I definitely faced a lot, uh, especially back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Things became better, but I think there is still a need for change, further change. Uh, Of course, one of the issues were when I was growing up as a young teenager, a young woman, that I was typically the only woman in most of my competitions or visits to chess clubs. Uh, It was very common that literally I was the only girl, the only woman. Mm -hmm. And that created a very unnatural situation. 
And unfortunately, also, of course, our society was uh, not very kind in a way that uh, they uh, looked at those women, myself, and, and others as well in similar situations, especially in those days, that, oh, maybe this is an opportunity to get a date. Mm. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> obviously, that was not the reason I went to the chess club for. <laughs> and, I'm uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, so it, it was a very unnatural and unpleasant situation at times. And some of the guys didn't take rejection well, and I got in even to some dangerous situations uh, at a few times. So, and, and of course, the, the just the mental abuse and the verbal abuse was just constant that, you know, women can't play chess, you know, why don't you go and dance or do other things that are more feminine and don't waste your time trying to become a grandmaster, uh, you'll never get there. I mean, this type of trash talk, you know, was just very normal uh, growing up. And so that was normal. I mean, what gave you the strength to overcome that as opposed to that being the kind of circumstance where people would say, oh, you know, she gave it a good run, but, you know, it's too hard. I was very fortunate that my parents uh, raised me with an attitude that uh, why not? And, uh, you know, as long as you work hard, as long as you try your best, why couldn't you do just as well as the boys or the men? Hmm. And I believe that because I, I agree, why not? And uh, I'd worked hard and, uh, you know, little by little, I kept proving myself and getting further and further. And, you know, when I became a master and I was told I'll never be a grandmaster, I said, well, I was told before I couldn't do something and I did it. And uh, I just kept moving on to the next step and the next step and the next step until uh, I finally broke the gender barrier and became the first woman to earn the Grandmaster title by the traditional requirements of making the norms and rating. Mm -hmm. And that's when finally they realized that, oh, she did it. <laughs> and I'm very <laughs> proud that since then, a uh, few dozen other women also have uh, followed my footsteps and uh, I, I opened the floodgate, as they say, and uh, opened the door for women to believe in it and do it. And now that there's not just one woman there in that environment, do you think um, some of those things you dealt with, some of those unwanted advancements and that kind of attitude um, has gone away? I don't think it has gone away, speaking to the young ladies of today who are competing and, and living uh, in the chess community, but it certainly improved. It certainly is not as everyday happening as it used to be in the 80s or early 90s, let's say. Hmm. Do you think chess needs a further reckoning um, with some of these issues, or are they on the right track? Uh, well, it, it's improving, but I think it is important that we talk about it and uh, uh, the people in, in the chess, in the leadership positions or in chess club, in organizations, in schools, they talk about it and they talk about it to the young boys so they don't end up being like the previous generations were. So one of the other barriers you broke, you were the first female coach to lead a men's Division I team to a national title. This was at Texas Tech, which you worked at before you came to Webster. When you came on to the job of being a coach, did you feel like you needed to prove yourself all over again, even after everything you'd done as a player? I think so. I, I, I was hoping it wouldn't be the same kind of uh, sexism to deal with as a player, but uh, not terribly much have changed. 
even now after all the success that uh, I proved myself and uh, all the success that we had uh, with Texas Tech and then with Webster University, uh, still, for example, when my uh, announcement of my retirement was made a month or two back, none of the other coaches uh, wrote congratulations on your retirement. Perhaps they are celebrating, oh, finally she retired. Now maybe <laughs> we have a better chance to win, you know. It's almost so. a compliment, right, if they're happy to see you go? Uh, yeah, you know way. <laughs> was it hard to convince top players to give your program a chance when you were starting out as a coach? Uh, I think uh, they believed in... Uh, in my track record and of course initially it wasn't easy because like a Texas Tech there was no history there was no uh, you know uh, past of chess at Texas Tech mm. at all like you were sort of starting from from the ground from scratch we had to buy chess sets and chess boards and everything and the same when we moved to Webster there was no chess program here before and here again we had to start with the basics and uh, I'm, I'm very proud of uh, our students and I'm very thankful to the institution and the leadership of uh, now Chancellor Beth Strobel and President uh, Julian Schuster for their uh, vision and, and believing us and giving the program a chance and supporting us all the way uh, now over nine years and uh, I, we couldn't have done it obviously without the support of the institution and the leadership as well as the colleagues you know it was it was a real pleasure and joy to work at Webster all these years and uh, everybody was really supporting us and rooting for the team and uh, it has been really a wonderful wonderful experience. And do you feel like you've been able to accomplish everything you set out to do at Webster? Well, you know, you can always do better. <laughs> <laughs> That's spoken but like a, a person who ends up being a chess grandmaster. You're, it sounds like you're, you're pretty hard on yourself. Well, but at the end of the day, we won eight of the nine Pan American championships that we competed in. And uh, we won at Webster five straight Final Four championships. Uh, obviously, there were a couple more Final Fours that we were very close to winning, but ended up not. So, you know... It's, it always could have been better. But with that said, uh, our students uh, at the program at Webster have won more national and world titles in the past nine years than at all the other universities with chess programs combined. Hmm. And we've been, as you said, ranked number one nine years straight every day, every week, every month, every year. So... Overall, of course, I'm very content and I'm very proud. And uh, let's say if uh, nine years ago when we came, I would have told, okay, you can take this record. You know, I would have signed on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm so glad to hear that. And at the same time, you have had all this success, even at a time when chess really feels a little bit ascendant. Um, feels like people are, are playing a lot of chess. Maybe the pandemic was part of that. So many people also love this show, The Queen's Gambit. Do you feel that chess is, is kind of on the upswing right now overall as, as a society? Absolutely. And I'm very, very happy to see that, that finally chess is getting more in the mainstream, gets more mainstream recognition. That has been my dream for most of my life. I always felt that how unfortunate that, uh, you know, there are all kinds of activities, whether different sports or arts 
get a whole lot more recognition than chess did and uh, as you said partly thanks to thanks to i mean thanks to as a as a benefit of the pandemic uh, despite all of its negatives obviously chess online chess especially got very very popular and uh, and then of course the the queen's gambit series uh, made a big boom and i'm really pleased to see that i hear from all kinds of people who never played chess before and uh, didn't appreciate it now they look at it with a whole different eyes well, so we're, we're sad to be losing you here in St. Louis, um, but man, you have done so much here. I understand you're now moving to Florida. Um, yeah, but, but I'm not selling my home quite yet, so I'm still around. You will keep a I, foot I in St. Louis? Exactly, exactly. My kids are still here. Uh, my younger son is still has another year at Webster, and uh, my older one is about to start his MBA. So I'm, I'm still around. I just won't be full-time in St. Louis. Well, Susan Pogor, we're glad you are sticking around um, and we're going to miss you as the chess coach because you made this whole city look good. So thank you so much (laughs) for joining us today and, and congratulations on just a remarkable run. My pleasure. Thank you so much. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at ChooseWood.com.